Hi, I'm Ken. And I'm Dee. And this is Antiques Freaks. It's podcast. No big deal. Today we will be talking about critical role collectibles. I bet this has nothing to do with your personal interests, Ken. Absolutely not. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Before we begin, a public service announcement. Collectibles are not investments. Critical Role is not a publicly traded company. Do not invest in Critical Role. That said, here is how much money some people have made from flipping Critical Role collectibles. Is it a lot? More than I was expecting, which is why this episode exists. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Now, D, what is Critical Role? Why, it is a D&D-inspired and base rule set 5e tabletop role-playing game adventure conducted by a group of friends who are also professional voice actors. It is! You've won the episode! Congrats! Ah, sweet. In their own words, Critical Role is, quote, a bunch of nerdy-ass voice actors sitting around playing Dungeons & Dragons. You could say that too, I guess. I thought I put it better, but... <laughs> They've solved the nerd problem of how Dungeons & Dragons feels epic while you're playing it, but sounds lame and boring when you try to describe it to someone else afterward. By having the audience experience the game in real time alongside the players, the heightened emotional attachment of improvised live-action roleplay is transferred from players to audience. It also helps that the entire cast is actors, who are all trained in both theater and improv. It helps, in terms of its marketability. And I would argue enjoyability. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although I like Dungeons and Daddies, too. Being specifically voice actors is a massive advantage because their entire career is sitting alone in a closet and rooting their performance in pure imagination. So when you tell them that they're being attacked by a kobold, they can make it feel real for everyone without any props or sets or costumes. <laughs> From very early on, within the first few episodes, they have responded to highlighted and promoted fan art, both on professional and personal social media accounts, and live in the main show broadcast with the fan art reel that runs during the break in the middle of each episode. Fan art acts as free advertising for the show, which spreads the word grassroots style and encourages new viewers. And by rewarding fan artists with personal attention and professional promotion, they encourage not only existing fan artists, but aspiring fan artists to create more fan art, aka more free promotion. It's just smart. The fan art relationship goes a step further to the show's very great benefit when Critical Role starts hiring fan artists to create merch. More on this later. But first, we need to talk about the very first item of Critical Role merch. What is it? It is a t-shirt. Yeah, that's where a lot of merch starts, isn't it? It's certainly where ours started. Oh yeah. The t-shirt is black with a vertical list of the player characters' names in white Helvetica font separated by ampersands, a very popular t-shirt format at the time because the time was April 23rd, 2015. In the episode The Throne Room, the seventh episode of the series, the cast announces the t-shirt's existence at 2 hours, 2 minutes, and 44 seconds into the broadcast. At 2 hours, 5 minutes, and 10 seconds into the broadcast, less than 3 minutes later, the crew interrupt the cast mid-announcement to tell them that the t-shirts have sold out. Rough. As cast member Talis and Jaffe put it, we didn't even finish telling you people, let us finish our sentence first. No, give me the shirt. The fanbase is ravenous, demand is high, and supply is limited. This will become a theme. The next piece of merch we will be highlighting, because dear god we're not going to cover every piece of merch Critical Role has ever made on this podcast, will be the Critical Role Major Arcana Tarot set featuring first campaign characters including Vox Machina and major non-player characters. 
If you don't play Dungeons and Dragons, that means it includes characters portrayed by the main cast and also characters portrayed by the dungeon master, Matthew Mercer. The tarot deck is designed and illustrated by Ewana Murasan. And it's just the major arcana because as any artist who's tried to make a tarot deck knows, holy shit, are there a lot of cards in a tarot deck. <laughs> Frequently called the worst thing to do is announce an entire tarot deck. Or self-torture. Whereas if you only do the major arcana, you only have to draw 22 cards instead of 78. Oh, is that all? That's all. The original price of the Critical Role Major Arcana Tarot set is $24.99. The last sold prices I found on eBay were for an open pack, $205 to $225. That, wait, I'm sorry, was that a sold price or just a listed price? These are all sold prices. Fuck me running. An unopened pack went for $600. Dear God, and these are sold prices. These are completed auction listings. These are not the asking prices. These are what people actually ponied up with their human currency. All right. This is critical laundering at this point. <laughs> so you see why maybe I thought someone should maybe take a second look at critical role collectibles. <laughs> I think you are actually accidentally maybe undermining what you said about uh, they're not this not being like an investment. I mean, what I set about to do was have an excuse to talk about critical role on the podcast. So I feel like I've succeeded, but we'll see. Okay. <laughs> now, remember the part where I talked about hiring fan artists? Yes. The time has come to discuss the Chronicles of Exandria. From basically day one of Critical Role, the cast has been looking at, collecting, and responding to fan art. In particular, cast member Liam O'Brien took charge of curating the fan art display during the broadcast break every week. The fan base affectionately nicknamed him Art Dad. Everyone's gotta be a dad, I guess. He is literally a father. He has children. Well, I mean, yeah, but he's not my dad. Yet. You got space for another kid there, man? Together with fellow castmate Taliesin Jaffe, Liam O'Brien released three art books curated from fan art. And the fan artist got paid for it. Paid well. Actual money dollars. If I had a nickel for every time I participated unpaid to one of those, I'd have more money than I got for participating. By definition, <laughs> yes. <laughs> By definition. And they were paying pretty close to going right, so that was pretty cool. This is part of why the books are expensive and 100% of the reason they are worthwhile. The first book, Chronicles of Exandria, The Tale of Vox Machina, Volume 1, is released November 9th, 2017. The original price of the standard edition is $59.99. The original price of the deluxe edition is $124.99. Okay, those are fair prices for what they are. Would you like to hear the last sold on eBay prices for the Chronicles of Exandria, The Tale of Vox Machina, Volume 1? Yes, although I know it's going to make me sad because I didn't buy one when they were first published. The standard edition, opened, costs between $710 to $1,025. What in the fuck is going on? The deluxe edition, unopened, went for $1,999.99. Bruv. Uh-huh. <laughs> there are mint-on-card Beast Wars figures that don't cost that much. I think more people watch Critical Role than watch Beast Wars. Alright, everybody, come get his ass. Come get your man. <laughs> He talking shit. Please direct all complaints to antiquesfreakspodcast at gmail.com. Most people our age watched Beast Wars. Watched. Past tense. Our familiar- <sighs> The Chronicles of Exandria, The Legend of Vox Machina Volume 2 was released on November 15th, 2018. The original price of the standard edition was $59.99 and the original price of the deluxe edition was $124.99. The last sold on eBay for the standard edition ran between $200 to $399. 
and the deluxe edition goes for between $445 to $1,000. Oh my god. Okay, so I just looked this up uh, out of curiosity. Because you didn't believe me. <laughs> no, no, just I wanted to compare it to something that I, I'm extremely familiar with and I wanted to have the hard data. Baldrian and Dolls? No, an original Convoy Takara G1 Optimus Prime, like literally the first one ever made, is in box 1800. Oh my god, there's so much nerd shit in this episode. Well, you started it. <laughs> You didn't start with disclaimer. I'm the only one who gets to be a big fucking nerd. <laughs> yeah, 1800 for an original G1 Optimus Prime Takara Japan only release. So toss a coin. Do you want the first ever Optimus Prime ever made or the first Critical Role art book ever made? As someone who's into vintage collectibles and stuff, the fact that Critical Role rocketed that high in such a short span of time is nothing short of stunning. Yeah, three years. Yeah. Within three years. Yeah, three years to attain the desirability of an out-of-print, like, early 1980s toy. (laughs) Oh, sorry, my mistake. It's been five years. Oh, pardon me. So it's much more understandable, don't you see? It's much much closer to 30 years, yeah. (laughs) Now, The Chronicles of Exandria, The Mighty Nine, Volume 3. I hate the way these books are named. Yeah, I don't... They could have come up with a better naming convention. It was released June 2nd, 2020. The original price of the standard edition remains $59.99, and the original price of the deluxe edition remains $124.99. The last sold on eBay for the standard edition, any guesses, D? Okay, Mighty Nine was actually extremely popular, so... So this is standard edition? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say $900. $13.95. I'm sorry? $13.99. They expanded the printing, I imagine? By the time they put out the third book, they probably realized they need to print way more to meet initial demand. <laughs> And also, it's still available brand new from certain online retailers. Aha, there it is, the difference. And the deluxe edition goes for about $45 to $90 on the secondhand market. So normal pricing. Yes. So you see how early Critical Role merch went way, way up in value, but more recent Critical Role merch has not. Ah, because it has more fans now and a greater presence of demand, which means more merch. Yes. Ah, classic. Books aside, it's time to talk about figurines. Oh boy, I you know I love figurines. I was just talking about some. Indeed. And in order to talk about figurines, we need to talk about Molly Mock. I'd love to talk about Molly Mock. What is a Molly Mock, you may wonder? Molly Mock Tealeaf is a player character in the Mighty Nine, also known as the Second Campaign, portrayed by Talison Jaffe. Major spoilers to follow. If you give a shit about what does or does not happen in Critical Role, stop listening. If you find yourself agreeing with Ken's taste and stuff a lot, I would actually suggest you just go listen to it. Go listen to the several thousand hours worth of Critical Role content first, and then come back to this podcast episode. We'll wait. Okay. Um, I think they're done now. Okay, great. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Molly Mock is a tiefling blood hunter with a circus performer background, which in less nerdy terms means he's basically Nightcrawler from X-Men except purple and horned and explicitly queer with a mysterious and tragic amnesia backstory, a deep love for his friends and for doing the right thing in weird and offbeat ways, and a habit of flirting with anyone and everyone. So if you're anything like me and 80% of the Critical Role fanbase, he's fucking catnip. The way you just put it makes it me realize that he's basically just like someone wrote Captain Jack Sparrow good. So you mean the run of X-Men where Nightcrawler was a time and space pirate? I cannot believe that you're fucking sitting here going like, um, I don't think a lot of people are interested in Beast Wars <laughs> while you're just going to fucking cite the deep X-Men lore at me. It's not that deep. It was called 
Because no, I'm not aware of the time he became a space pirate. I'm pretty sure it was called Excalibur, but they just like made the X real big on the title page. What? He meets his like daughter from an alternate universe. No, Ken. I'm not familiar with any of this. I got pretty fed up with the X-Men by the time I got to the early 90s run and then I stopped. Because I was just like, I don't know that gay rights is comparable to a man who shoots lasers from his eyes. And I become weary of of the metaphor. All of the above would probably be enough to move merchandise of this character. Yes. I think you just saying that sentence would move merchandise. But then... In Campaign 2, Episode 26, Found and Lost, which aired July 12th, 2018, Molly Mock is killed in battle in a failed attempt to rescue his friends, and the rest of the party aren't high level enough to resurrect him, which makes this the first player character permadeath of the second campaign, and the first mid-campaign player character permadeath in all of Critical Role. So for once, someone in Dungeons & Dragons is actually dead. Doesn't happen very often. The fanbase freaks the fuck out and goes into deep mourning. Molly Mock becomes venerated not just in the show by his surviving friends, but also elevated to something approaching sainthood within the show's fanbase. Then, on July 9th, 2020, Critical Role announces a limited edition 12-inch figure of Molly Mock produced by McFarlane. A decision I will always question. From the official description of the figure, Molly wears his signature extravagant robe and brandishes two removable scimitars. His right arm can also be rotated so that his right scimitar can be removed and returned easily. Along with his trademark smirk, Molly Mock is flashing four iconic cards from his tarot deck. <laughs> the Eye in the Hand, the Judge and the Tyrant, the Anvil and the Sword, and the Moon in the Mirror. <laughs> Also, hey, if the description I wrote earlier didn't give you a fucking clue as to why so many nerds went bonkers for Yonkers over this guy, two scimitars and he reads tarot. Yeah, yeah. What the fuck was I supposed to do? I love the way action figure companies, especially McFarlane, choose to describe the stuff they make. (laughs) It sounds like an alien was briefly described (laughs) the thing. No matter how familiar, like they do that with Spawn too when he made that. (laughs) Oh God, is it actually Todd McFarlane's company? Yeah, did you not know that McFarlane Toys is Todd McFarlane? I had no idea. That's why it's the only company that's ever made Spawn toys. This episode was already completely incomprehensible to non-nerds, and I think we just elevated it to a new level of, like, eldritch knowledge. Well, you know, if you wanted to learn about contemporary action figures, here you go. I hate (laughs) McFarlane toys, by the way. I don't know that they've ever nailed a head sculpt in their life. I would say the work they have done for Critical Role in terms of head sculpt is pretty good. We'll get into the less good stuff in a bit. Oh, I can't wait. (laughs) That's my favorite part. The original cost of the limited edition Molly Mock figure is $80, which I looked at when they were first announced and thought, yeah, technically I am an adult with my own money. I can do whatever I want with it. But $80 is a lot to spend on a piece of plastic that's just going to sit in my house and look at me, even if it is of my favorite character. So I think I'll pass on this one. By the end of July, they were sold out. This is two years after the character died, so he hasn't appeared in anything for two years. (laughs) And the fanbase is not only still obsessed with him, but willing to blow serious cash on his merch. So remember, the original price of the figure is $80. The eBay sold price has held steady because I got these eBay sold prices today between $200 and $450. That's actually less than I was thinking. It's more than I was expecting an $80 figure of a character no one outside of a very specific group of weirdos has ever heard of. I'm actually going to pop in a little bit of advice here. 
they are not investments. They are terrible investments. But if you want it, love it, and it sparks joy, and you have the money, get it. Because this happens a lot with collectibles. I would say that holds true for the general public. For me specifically, I get the same amount of joy from thinking to myself about once a week, oh, hey, Molly Malk is pretty cool, as I would from owning the figure. Sure, sure. But if you are a collectibles person. <laughs> yes. There are so many figures that I didn't buy when they were released because I was like, I don't know. And now I will never get the Hot Toys Wesker. I hardly knew ye. I'm so sorry. I really wish we had kept a running tally of all the nerd references we're making unrelated to Critical Role. Hey, if you're listening to this, can you? I thought you were going to say keep a running tally of all the times I've mentioned Hot Toys Wesker. <laughs> that too. The next Critical Role figure to be produced by McFarlane is Sean Gilmore, beloved non-player character from Campaign 1. You're kidding me. They let that hack do Gilmore? They did a pretty okay job, all things considered. Hold on, I'm looking it up. He is a gay human sorcerer and merchant who had a relationship with the player character Vaxel Dan, which ended in an amicable separation so Vax could pursue a relationship with another player character, Keyleth. The fanbase adores him. I hate the face they've sculpted for this. Honestly, I'm just glad they kept him fat. Because you can't even count on fan artists to do that. Yeah, the body and the clothing are exquisite. Very good. The face is not my favorite. Hey, if you're listening to this podcast and you draw Critical Role fan art and you've been considering drawing Gilmore because everyone loves him and I do too, don't make him a skinny little white twink. I see when you do this because I'm in the Tumblr tag every goddamn day. He really is. Gilmore is fat. He is fat and handsome and fat. These are not contradictions. You can draw a handsome fat man. I believe in you. Fucking do it already. Thank you. I got one more request to piggyback on Ken's. Don't draw the face McFarlane Toys gave him. I don't like it. <laughs> I really don't like it in the slightest. It's making me so weirded out. The Gilmore figure is announced on November 22nd, 2021, and it costs $99, up $19 from the Molly Mock figure. However, unlike Molly Mock, Gilmore hasn't sold out. Possible reasons for this include that, in the canon, Gilmore is still alive and gets a happily ever after with his half-elf-barred husband, Darius, which means he lacks the tragic and traumatic impetus to push fans to purchase. He also costs slightly more new than Molly Muck did, although he is currently on sale for $79. Or, after Molly Muck sold out within a month, Critical Role may have produced more Gilmore figurines to have enough stock on hand to meet demand, although Gilmore is still labeled limited edition. Critical Role has also started releasing figures of other characters through Sideshow Collectibles, though it's said that the McFarlane line will also continue. D, you have opinions on these two companies, do you not? Uh, yeah, I like Sideshow. I think Sideshow regularly hires way better sculptors. So, I've been having a lot of fun, like, just kind of Googling alongside this. <laughs> Play along at home! I typed in McFarlane and Sideshow to see what, like, you know, what images pop up first. And um, yeah, I think the sideshow characters are always more dynamic. The faces look more like the characters. And McFarlane, the first 20 results are just different kinds of grim, dark Superman. So like... <laughs> Todd McFarlane has very specific tastes. Yeah, sideshow actually has a, a much greater range of like abilities and interests. And I just think they do a better job. I'm so sorry if you're a McFarlane fan. I just think they do a better job regularly. So it's weird for a company to release collectible figures of the same characters through two different companies simultaneously. It's weird for a small company. For things like Disney, DC, and Marvel, it's, you know, taking whoever's do 
doing it, you know? But as much as we love Critical Role, they're not Marvel. Yeah, I find it strange because they are very small, doing small runs, and they have split, like... (laughs) My theory is that they had a contract with McFarlane that was for, I'm assuming, a certain number of runs, a certain number of characters, a certain number of years... And then between the McFarlane line starting and the Sideshow Collectibles line starting, they released a wildly popular animated series that brought Critical Role in general to wider attention and got way more people into the original show. That's a good guess, yeah. And I think the McFarlane line is continuing because they're probably still locked into that contract, even though since then Sideshow Collectibles has come knocking and said, hey, we want some Critical Role money. Yeah, it might also just be whoever was like putting bids and throwing spec art that they liked at the time. It would be even more unusual to have an exclusivity contract, I think. It does mean that we will possibly be getting duplicate collectible figures of each character. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm looking at the the face sculpts on Vaxeldan, and it's so much better. It's leagues better. The thing that always gets to me about, like, official depictions of Vaxeldan and Vexalia is that they're constantly described in text as looking exactly like each other, but then you see all the official art of them, and it's, like, World of Warcraft-level sexual dimorphism. (laughs) Yeah, I hate that. Yeah, that's true. I'm not going to step up and defend that, but I'm just saying the face has more character. Um. I do want to say that none of the Sideshow Collectibles limited edition figures are out of stock yet, and that the eBay resale price is negligible, with the original prices being between $170 to $195, and the resale price is only bumping that up to $200 to $250. I'm guessing it's just because they weren't designed as chases, so, you know, they're going to be available for as long as there's demand. They claim to be limited edition. They're all marketed as limited edition. Oh, these are chases. Oh, well, I'll be. Then I'm thinking it's probably the pretty high price tag. It is also worth noting that some folks who purchased Molly Mock and Gilmore figurines made by McFarlane and took them out of box for display have noticed structural issues that get worse with time. Oh, you don't say. Structural issues with a McFarlane figure, huh? Who would have guessed? Specifically, Molly Mock tends to melt in a way that makes him <laughs> lean forward at an acute angle. Uh, <laughs> Molly melt. And Gilmore's ankles tend to snap. (laughs) Oh no! Oh, it's always his weak spot. Widely circulated reports of these quality issues may also be responsible for slower sales of newer figurines. (laughs) Because they've gotten a certain reputation. Yeah, you know. (laughs) Some people have found success in quote-unquote fixing them by submerging them in a Ziploc bag in hot water to soften them up a bit and then drilling a hole into their legs and putting like clippings of wire hangers in to support them. (laughs) Just kind of after effects inserting a skeleton. I know that you're finding this ridiculous. That's kind of old hat if you collect non-articulated figures. Critical Role fans did get this advice from the anime girl figure collecting community. (laughs) Yes, okay, I was gonna say, because like, you know who else is usually manufactured to aesthetics and not stability? Anime girls! Hey, remember our Funko Pop episode when I said a large part of the commercial appeal of Funko Pops is that it's a blank base that's really easy to paint up and accessorize to look like literally any character, which makes it perfect for creating figurines of characters who otherwise have no other figurines made of them? You said it's slower than that at the time, but yeah. Anyway, Vox Machina gets Funkoed. Oh yeah, their Funkos are actually pretty cool for Funkos. On August 13th, 2020, Critical Role announces via their official site that they will be making Funko Pops. The pops will be every player character from Vox Machina, which means Grog, Vaxeldan, Vexalia, Percy, Keyleth, Pike, and Scanlan. And also, Trinket. 
Now I know what you're thinking. What is Trinket? Is a bear. Trinket is a grizzly bear. You've won the podcast twice over, you have. I'm a winner. He is the animal companion of the ranger character Vex, and he is a beloved mascot of Vox Machina, and, like the rest of Vox Machina, there was no other existing figurine for him. However, unlike the rest of Vox Machina, Trinket was not available for pre-order or online ordering or at any major retailers. Instead, he was available only in small quantities through local businesses and small specialty retailers, also known as your local friendly gaming store. This limited availability makes the fanbase go absolutely bonkers. Now I know what you're thinking. Figurines of characters with no other figurine merch? For a franchise with a ravenous loyal fanbase? How high have these prices gone? Yeah, that's a good question. How high have they gone? Just kidding, they're still Funko Pops. Well, yeah, I kinda. You know what, that makes sense. The resale price is negligible because they never go out of production. Many sell for well below their original retail price, even the trinket one. Yeah, that's, uh, those are Funkos for you. Now, remember earlier when I mentioned that the Sideshow McFarlane mix-up might have occurred because of a certain animated series bumping up the visibility of Critical Role? I remember that. Let's talk about the Legend of Vox Machina Kickstarter. Okay, let's talk about it. In spring of 2019, Critical Role launches a Kickstarter to fund an animated series based off of the campaign one, The Legend of Vox Machina. Because animation is expensive, they asked for $750,000 to create a 22-minute animated short that they could then use as proof of concept to shop around to streaming services who might pick it up as a full series. They launched the Kickstarter campaign on March 4th, 2019. They have 45 days to fund it, and within one hour they raise $1 million. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it's just, it will never not be funny to me. By the end of the first day, they raised more than $4.3 million. The number does not stop from getting higher. By the end of the Kickstarter on April 19th, 2019, they raised a total of 11385449 dollars Which gave them almost enough to cover an animated series. This fanbase is hungry and willing to spend cash. Also, good animated series for adults are hard to come by, so... Not only did it give us an animated series, but it also gave out Kickstarter rewards to the backers! Now, D, do you think any of the reward tiers produce collectibles that were valuable on the resale market? Well, yeah, because those are limited by nature. Indeed. At the Scout level, which is $20, you get digital downloads of the theme song, and thanks to the $1 million stretch goal, a Vox Machina voicemail pack. <laughs> which, um, hey, I don't want to, Ken, I respect the hell out of you. I would not leave you voicemails. I'll leave it at that. Then it will have served its intended purpose. I would stop leaving you voicemails forever. Yeah, so there's not a lot of resale value for digital downloads. <laughs> so we'll move on to the next tier, which is the Adventurer tier at $50. You get an 8x10 Legend of Vox Machina art print, and the Legend of Vox Machina sticker set, plus all previous tier rewards. The current eBay prices for the art print are between $3.25 to $50, and those prices tend to be going down over time. And the sticker set is likewise $3.25 to $25, also going down over time. Okay, yeah, makes sense. I'm a little surprised at the sticker set because that is something that can ostensibly be used up. That does surprise me a little bit. Meanwhile, at the Guardian level for $100, you get the Legend of Vox Machina dice set. The Legend of Vox Machina playing cards. And, thanks to reaching the $1.5 million stretch goal, the Legend of Vox Machina crew knitted beanie. And, thanks to the $2.5 million stretch goal, an extra Vox Machina D20 in the dice sets, plus all previous tier rewards. Alright, now we're getting up to price accruing collectibles. Yes. 
because shock of shocks, Dungeons and Dragons nerds really like having dice to play the game with. I have met people who do not play Dungeons and Dragons that collect dice. Current eBay prices for the dice go from $50 to $140, and they are fluctuating wildly. And if you didn't know, yes, that's a lot for dice. The playing cards go for $25 to $50 unopened. Was not able to find any recently sold examples of opened packs, but we'll see. The beanie goes from $7.55 to $50, and that is also fluctuating wildly. And then we have the fighter tier at $200, where you get the Legend of Vox Machina Trinket plush. Yay! Everyone's favorite bear is back, now as a huggable plush. Hey, remember how buck wild everyone went for the Funko Pop? It's about to get even crazier. You can hug this one. And thanks to reaching the $3 million stretch goal, you get the Dagger 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 Letter Opener set. Three daggers? It's three letter openers shaped like daggers. All right, that's pretty sweet. It's a reference to the rogue character, Vax, who uses multiple daggers in rapid succession whenever he attacks. Plus all previous tier rewards. Current eBay prices for the Trinket plushie are $60 to $195, and those are rising. The Dagger 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 letter openers go from $150 to $400, and that is also rising. Uh, wow, fuck. The Slayer tier at $300 got you the Legend of Vox Machina character pin set, which is a set of seven enamel pins depicting each of the player characters from Legend of Vox Machina, plus all previous tier rewards. Oh my god, enamel pins are so hot right now. Interesting you say that because I couldn't find any recently sold examples of the pins but I did find sellers asking between $100 and $200. That's too much for pins. <laughs> that might be why. At the $400 protector tier, you got the Legend of Vox Machina waxed canvas messenger bag plus all previous tier rewards. Current eBay price for the messenger bag is between $162.50 to $300. These are some fat prices. At the $500 defender tier, you got the Legend of Vox Machina signed pilot script, plus all previous tier rewards. Oh, a signed pilot script. Oh my. The current eBay price for the signed pilot script is between $500 to $850. Yeah, that scans, that scans. At the $750 veteran tier, you got a Critical Role cast signed high quality 18 by 24 animation art print, plus all previous tier rewards. I couldn't find any data on the eBay sold prices for this print, in part because the unsigned smaller art print of the earlier tier clutters up search results. A uh, common problem. At the $1,000 master level, the highest possible backer level for The Legend of Vox Machina Kickstarter, you got an invite to a private screening for The Legend of Vox Machina, which is difficult to flip on eBay. That's gonna be tough. Especially since it never happened due to pandemic reasons. Oh. But as a consolation prize, you also get all previous tier rewards. Yay. In conclusion, if you backed at a level that included physical material rewards and sold all, most, or even just some of your backer rewards, you probably recouped the cost of backing the project. That said, should you invest in Critical Role collectibles? No. I mean, not unless you love Critical Role and you enjoy them. And with that, you have won the podcast thrice over, D. You shouldn't invest in anything that you don't love. The longer answer is, as Critical Role grows as a franchise and more businesses outside of the fanbase realize the loyalty of the fanbase and the depth of their pockets, the general public's inability to understand the appeal of a Dungeons & Dragons livestream becomes less and less of a barrier to procuring funding, which means more companies are willing to take a chance on producing and selling Critical Role merch. Also, Critical Role themselves are learning time and time again that they need to stock more of each item they offer for sale, and running out of stock within minutes, hours, days, or weeks of announcing new merch is becoming less and less common. 
Supply is very close to catching up with demand if it hasn't already. The odds of any Critical Role merch produced now or in the future increasing in value on the secondary market is slim to none. Also, like Dee said, if you're buying merch with the purpose of flipping it rather than enjoying it for your own, you're condemning yourself to a broke life in a home stuffed with garbage you don't care about. Very true. And I'm not just saying that to dunk on people. It is a reality I have seen people fall into many, many times. That said, if you genuinely enjoy Critical Role and you have a place in your budget and your life for its merch, go ahead and get it. Maybe it'll be worth something someday. Probably not. But you'll have a cool piece of merchandise that hopefully you got because you liked. Collectibles are not investments, but if you have several thousand spare hours to fill, I encourage you to give Critical Role a try. If you like D&D podcasts, I think you're guaranteed to like it, honestly. If you're a big fucking nerd, consider becoming a bigger fucking nerd. Nothing wrong with it. Sources for this episode include... The fact that Ken backed the Kickstarter. The Legend of Vox Machina project page on Kickstarter, <laughs> yes. As well as CritRoll.com, the official Critical Role website, eBay.com, the Critical Role fan wiki, Reddit.com slash r slash Critical Role, and Archive.org's Wayback Machine. If you would like to suggest an episode topic or just say hello, you can email us directly at antiquesfreakspodcast at gmail.com. You can post our Facebook group, Antiques Freaks Friends. You can tag us on Tumblr, antiquesfreaks.tumblr.com. Or you can message us on Instagram at instagram.com slash antiquesfreaks. If you enjoyed listening to us dish about our nerd hobbies, and also perhaps if you want to stop me from buying a $60 ALF original animated cell where he's dressed up like a princess, feel free to scroll on down to wherever you're listening to this podcast and leave a review. Don't do it, D. Come on, you might say. <laughs> five five stars i'm going to hold this 50 dollars hostage if you don't like my podcast one new five star review and i won't do this dumb thing go on let's get it done save me and if you would like to purchase a wide variety of vintage and antique goods and also t-shirts and stickers with the podcast logo on them you can check out our etsy at etsy.com shop slash antiques freaks as a warning as soon as we pop off and become hyper famous we will be canceling the run of those and they will become valuable <laughs> And if you need more Antiques Freaks in your week, you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash antiquesfreaks, where every week we produce a bonus episode where we read and review a chapter of the Victorian Penny Dreadful Varney the Vampire, The Feast of Blood. Last week had a land shark in it. Who knows what's going to happen next? Anything could happen. Special shout out to our patrons for paying our hosting fees and filling our hearts with love. So much love. And thank you in particular for listening. That's right, you. Au revoir. Goodbye.